only safe place to be, knowing our soul is in His hands. Open your Bibles this morning, please, to 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we're going to look at a verse that every, every child uh, here today already knows. Those in Sunday school and Awana and all of those that work in Awana are very familiar with this verse. Second Timothy chapter 2. Everybody there? Stick your Bible up in the air. All right. <laughs> yeah, I see that laptop or whatever it is. Well, the Bible's in there somewhere, so that, that counts. So, verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth. There's so much air in the world today that we we need the truth. A lot of confusion in the world today. It reminds me, and I know you probably heard the story about the college student that's going around, you know, with his T-shirt on, that great big K uh, on the front of his shirt, and someone, you know, asked him, what, what does that K stand for? And he said, confused. And they said, you don't spell confused with the K. And he said, you don't know how confused I am. (laughs) And so, you know, maybe you do. I guess the same thing could be said of a lot of people. I I love the story Chuck Swindoll told about he was preaching in a new place. And uh, so he, he, he got up and started the message. And just as he did, there was a couple that came in, members of the church, but they were there late. You know, it must have been a Baptist church, and so they they came in they came in late, and so uh, you know they just stood there reluctant, didn't know whether to come on in, afraid they might interrupt the service or something, and so the woman, being older than the man, uh, Chuck, finally he just stopped and he said, "Why don't you and your mother come on in and join us?" And you could have heard a pin drop. Boy, it just got really quiet in there. And uh, well, come to find out, uh, it wasn't his mother; it was uh, it was his wife. And so, uh, so you can imagine. Chuck said when they had a coffee break later on before the next session, he looked around and he said they were already long gone. And so, uh, we, you know, uh, the, the thing about it is, confusion's not always a laughing matter, though. You know, sometimes it's really serious. And there are people that are confused about really important things. There are people confused about God. Uh, I, I heard, I heard uh, and this has become quite popular even with a lot of the, you know, so-called modern-day uh, pulpit celebrities, you know, that don't want to offend anybody. And they say it's all right if you call God by, you know, different name. They say the Muslims worship the same God we do, just, you know, they just use a different name uh, to identify him. And it's just so amazing that so many people are confused about God. Some people are confused as to whether God even exists or not. And then there are those that are confused about creation, I mean, you'd, you would be amazed if uh, if you knew how many people, members of, of Baptist churches even, 
that do not believe what the Bible teaches about uh, the creation. You know, they talk about it having taken place, you know, over long periods of millions of years and things of that nature. They attribute it to God, of course. They say, well, God did that, but, but He did it in all of these long ages instead of the literal six days like the Bible teaches. And so a lot of people are confused about that. Some people are confused about the Bible. Uh, there'd be people that would argue with you as wh- whether or not the Bible is the infallible holy Word of God. They, they, they want to debate that, and there shouldn't be any debate about it. That ought to be a settled matter. And then they want to debate about which version of the Bible, which translation of the Bible, uh, you know, that, that we ought to use. And, boy, anybody that's done any study ought to figure that out in, in a hurry, that, uh, that it's the King James Version in the English language is by far the most accurate, the one that we can depend upon, and yet people still debating that. People are confused about it. And, and by the way, you know, when we talk about this, there are a lot of people that have never heard anything like what they're hearing here. Because in their mind, you know, one version is just as good as another. Oh, and, you know, it's easier to read or whatever. And what they don't realize is uh, the modern versions based on different manuscripts that, that they don't agree with what these manuscripts teach. Now, how in the world can you have two different Bibles, and one of them says 70 and one says 72, and how can you have these discrepancies between the two and then still claim that, that both translations are the Word of God? Well, I mean, that just can't be. So there's a lot of confusion about that, a lot of confusion about salvation. Boy, you want to get a, you know, a, a, a good debate going, just stop somebody out here on the street and ask them, how do you get to heaven? And the average person, you know, doesn't have a clue how you get there, but they, they think they do, and they want to talk about it and debate it. Some, you know, well, you've got to be a good neighbor. You've got to keep the Ten Commandments, keep the golden rule. Well, you've got to join the church. You've got to be baptized. You've got to do all of these different things. And, and so there's a lot of debate about that. Uh, religion in general. There's a lot of debate about morals. What is right? What is wrong? And there's all of this confusion, uh, sort of like in the days of Judges, where, you know, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And whenever we think about that now, there's a lot of confusion about sexual identity and what have you. Good night. Uh, you, uh, you, you, you can't figure that out? I mean, Really? I mean, you know, I'm in a mixed audience here this morning. And I, you know, I can't be too blunt about it, but you don't have to be very smart to figure that out, really. Now, I'm raising all of these issues for a purpose because whenever we begin to debate these serious issues about whether or not God exists, about creation, about the Bible, about moral standards and things of that nature, automatically people begin to get, you know, their feathers ruffled. People get all upset and bent out of shape as, as, though, as though, you know, I, I were talking about subjects that shouldn't be discussed. And a lot of people get the crazy idea that because the preacher is dealing with these issues, that means he's out to get them in some way. You know, that, that he's not on their side, that he doesn't like them. And I want you to understand 
that any preacher that's worth his salt is not trying to hurt you, but trying to help you. When we deal with these issues, listen, there's no reason for you to be confused about any of these things that I've mentioned here this morning. And yet we live in a world that is corrupt, a world that is confusing. And there are some things, of course, we're never going to fully understand. There are mysteries in life that you and I will never be able to figure out until we get to heaven. But the fact of the matter is God has given us the answers to the things that we need to know. Uh, people all the time, you know, what do you think the uh, Brother Kenneth and I was talking about uh, this very issue this last week, and I won't go into detail, but a lot of people, you all know what, about the, the mark that was on Cain or, you know, and, uh, you know, where Cain got his wife and, uh, what you know, what what is the mark of the beast and what good would it do you if you knew the answer to those questions? Listen, there's some things God hasn't revealed but for the issues pertaining to the most important things are clearly dealt with in the Bible. Where we came from, God tells us. He tells us where we came from. He tells us why we're here. Do you know why you're here? Are you confused about that? By the manner in which a lot of folks are living, they must be confused about why they're here because they're certainly not doing what God tells them to do. So we know where we came from. We know why we're here. We can know where we're going. Amen. And so all of these important issues are answered in the Word of God. Now, when I talk about the, this matter of confusion being dangerous, what I mean is that confusion creates conflict. Amen. I mean, either to a small extent or a large extent, all of us, all of a sudden, you've got conflict going on because people are confused. They don't agree on certain issues. So you've got conflict. And let me tell you, the ultimate result of that conflict is catastrophe. That eventually happens. It can happen on a national scale where nations go to war against nation. It can happen domestically in a divorce court uh, and families being torn apart. It can happen in churches. It can absolutely ruin your life. So it's important that we understand that God has given us the answers to these issues that are so crucial to our understanding. The Bible not only gives us precepts, the Bible also gives us principles to follow. And that's why we always say, you know, that the Bible has the answer for every problem, and it really does. Somebody says, oh, it doesn't say anything about smoking pot. No, but it gives you certain principles that apply to that subject. And so there are the precepts, there are the principles, there are prophecies, and there are promises given in the Word of God. But then God takes it even further than that. And after all of that, God gives us our priorities. In other words, He tells us how to put our ducks in a row. He tells us what is the first and the great commandment, right? He tells us what is the second commandment. And it's very clear as you go through the Word of God... The fact that God has, has shown us in His Word what's important and what is not. And you and I have the, the, the Word of God, the Bible, to depend upon as our roadmap. It is our guide. It's a light unto our feet. It's a lamp unto our path. 
It is the one sure standard that we can depend upon. And we've got to have a standard or we'll never come into agreement. But it's not just about coming into agreement. It's about being right. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any difference if we all agree on a certain issue if we're all wrong. We need to be right. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we need the truth. We need to clear up all of the controversy that's created in the world today by our lack of understanding and get rid of the confusion. That's why our Awana ministry is based on this very verse in the Bible. That's the basis for it. That's why we teach the Bible in Sunday school. And whenever I say we teach the Bible, I'm talking about we take a book of the Bible and we go through that book verse by verse and chapter by chapter. The problem is, now listen to me, I know there are things, and I've thought about this all week long, and I know there are things that I could preach about this morning that would be much more exciting There are things I could preach about this morning that, you know, would get more amens and get people all hyped up. We could talk about heaven and we could talk about so many different things, but we couldn't talk about anything that's going to be of more practical value to you than what we're talking about this morning. And and this is the only thing that's going to clear away all of the confusion. What, What did he say? Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now notice, that's the answer. The problem is that so many people are not interested in Bible study. That takes time, that takes effort, and they're not willing to make a commitment like that. It reminds me of the passengers on a plane. Have you ever noticed that whenever the stewardess is getting up there and they're getting ready to take off, and, you know, she gets up there and has that card in her hand showing the, where the exit doors are and giving all of these instructions and, you know, and kind of a depressing thought before you even get off the ground talking about the possibility of a crash. But, you know, all of that information really is, you know, if the mask dropped down in front of you and, and you look around and people are yawning and some of them's already got their little blankie and they're already snuggled up for a long winter's nap and other people, you know, are reading a magazine or whatever. They're just not the least bit interested in that. And, you know, those kind of passengers remind me of a lot of church members that are not really all that interested when it comes to the study of God's Word. This is Sunday School Promotion Sunday. And let me tell you, our Sunday School is not a place of entertainment for our kids. It's not, listen, it's not a place of just fellowship for our adults. It's a place where we apply ourselves to studying the Word of God in order to clear up the confusion that we might be able to live the life that God intended. Now, notice that very first word, study. Study. And and most of the time we look at that and automatically we jump to conclusions and most people think they understand it and they don't. See there? Right there it tells us where to study the Word of God. Well, 
whenever he uses the word study there, he's not using it in the sense that we are investigating the Bible and we are accumulating the facts of the Bible and so on and so forth. That's not the idea of study there like you're getting ready to study for an exam, like I mentioned in the pastor's pen this morning. I wonder what grade you would make after Sunday school. Well, you say, I wasn't there. Well, that's part of the problem. You wasn't there. You know, or, or somebody says, well, I didn't really listen. I wasn't paying attention. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Notice he starts with this word, study. And that p- particular Greek word that's translated study there means that we are to be diligent. Be diligent. Make a diligent effort. And you say, well, what does that mean? Diligent means you do the best you can, all you can, as soon as you can. In other words, it means that you apply yourself. You put everything you've got into doing whatever. So he's saying be diligent in regards to what? Notice, study, be diligent to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, and rightly dividing the word of truth. So the word study tells us the manner in which we approach our mission. Well, what is our mission? He says, show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. That's the mission, and the, and, and the, the means whereby we do this is described whenever he says, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you have study to be diligent to show yourself. That word show means to present yourself. It's talking about somebody that, that would be reporting for duty, for example, that you present yourself. Study, give all diligence to show yourself, present yourself as a bride would before her husband. Present yourself approved, notice, approved unto God. Well, isn't that what we're all supposed to be doing, winning God's approval? Isn't that supposed to be the most important thing in our life, that we might live in a way that pleases God? Can you think of anything else in life that's more important than that? There shouldn't be anything more important than that. And we are to give diligence to show ourselves approved unto God, what? A workman. So here you have evidence of the fact that the Christian life is intended to be strenuous. That's not what we've made it, though. We've made it like a carnival nowadays. I mean, we've made it a source of entertainment. But that's not what God intended. And if you look here in Paul's letter and you go back and you begin to read and you'll see that he spoke about the Christian life as being that of a soldier. We're to be strong like a soldier, that, that we're in the fight. And he, he deals with that very issue. Notice here he says in verse number 3, Endure hardness as a good soldier. It's not easy to be a soldier. I mean, a soldier is going out and doing battle. There's nothing easy about it. And then he speaks about, you know, being like an athlete, somebody that has devoted themselves to a particular contest, and an athlete, someone that is straining every fiber of their being, you know, trying to win the prize. And then he speaks about the Christian life as being like that of a farmer. If you know anything about farming, you know farming's not easy. 
I mean, you've got to get up early, you've got to work hard, you've got to stay up late. I mean, you've got to go out and reap the harvest whenever it's there. There's a lot of hard work involved in farming. But now notice here, he speaks about us Christians as though we are workmen. Show yourself approved unto God, a workman, a workman. You see, today the problem is we've got too many spectators and not enough participators. We've got, you know, too many people that are just watching what's going on instead of being involved in it. All of us are to be workmen for the Lord. Now, we don't all do the same things, but we all should be doing something by way of the work of the Lord. And then notice the next phrase, that needeth not to be ashamed. Those doing less than their best ought to be ashamed. Well, to be ashamed of myself, to give God less than the very best. And then notice, this, we'll get to the message in a minute. (laughs) Rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen to me, if you leave out that part of it, all of the rest of it becomes meaningless. Because this gets right down to our attitude toward the word of God rightly dividing the word of truth. That is, the, it talks about cutting as in a straight line and is simply talking about the fact that we have a proper understanding of the word of God and that's the only thing that will clear up the confusion, the only thing that is a cure for our complacency in the world, the only thing that's going to actually change our character. You see, we can come to church every week and we can listen to the good music and we can struggle through the preaching and we can enjoy the fellowship one with another. It's so good to see, you know, our family and our friends. And sometimes, you know, we'll even have a potluck after the service and we enjoy a good meal. And, you know, we can do all of those things week after week after week. And we can we can enjoy it without ever really actually profiting from it. And if we don't get down to the part that involves rightly dividing the word of truth, then we have missed the boat. Now, in light of all of that, let me quickly mention just a handful of things that will literally change your life. And we're still talking about this fact of of doing away with all of the confusion that exists in our lives today. Number one... You need to discover what God declares. Look at verse number 15 again. Notice what he says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? What's that last word? Truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. God is the author of truth. And you and I have an obligation, a responsibility, and a desperate need to discover what God says. Listen, you can't do God's will unless you know what God's will is. And if we're not a student of the Word of God, we're going to fail. Now, listen, you might not go out and rob a bank. It might be that you'll never slit anybody's throat. It might be that you'll never get addicted to drugs. 
You'll never get arrested and spend the rest of your life in prison or anything. But you're going to fail as a person and as a Christian unless you are a student of the Word of God. I'm not talking about going off to Bible college, although that wouldn't hurt you necessarily. But I'm talking about being a student of God's Word. And I want you to just be honest with yourself this morning and ask yourself, how much time do you spend each day in the Word of God? I know you're here for Sunday school. I know you're here for church. I know you come back on Sunday night. I know you're really dedicated and you love the church and you're here on Wednesday night. But how much time do you spend in actually studying the Bible that you might discover what God declares? We need to be honest about that because with a lot of folks, it's an absolute failure because when we close our Bible and walk out of the church building, we leave the church property, that's the end of it until we come back next time. Discover what God declares. Number two, we need to do what God demands. Knowing is one thing, doing is another. You see, God never intended that the Christian life just be that of being a student. The word disciple, and a lot of people say, well, you know, disciples were learners. Yes, but they were more than that. The best word that describes a disciple is the word apprentice. And the apprentice is someone that learns with the intent of putting into practice what he's learning. And there are too many people today that are learning and they can quote the verses from the Bible. They're familiar with the doctrines of the Bible, but they're not putting any of it into practice whatsoever. That's why James said that we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So we need to discover what God declares. We need to do what God demands. And then we need to depart from what God disallows. Look in verse number 19. And here Paul says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So we need to depart from the things that God disallows, which, to put it another way, is to what? Separate ourselves from sin. What is sin, by the way? You know, so many times when we think about sin, we've already got our little mental list there and the things that we check off, and, you know, we can identify sin by our list. But sin is what? It's the transgression of the law. It's what the Bible says. In other words, it is us violating what God has declared. It's us being disobedient to what God requires. And so whenever we fail to do the will of God for our life, consequently that is an act of rebellion and we're sinning against the Lord and we are to depart from everything that God disallows because the moment we become a Christian, we become a new creature in Christ. The moment we become a Christian, the Bible says, What know ye not that you're bought with a price? You're not your own. We no longer belong to ourselves. We no longer have a right to do as we please. We now belong to the Lord, and we need to depart from whatever it is that God disallows. If it is wrong, it's wrong, and we ought to get as far away from it as we possibly can. 
It's so heartbreaking when you look at all of the surveys that are taken in the polls, and I'm talking about surveys among professing Christian people, and you get down to the bottom line is whenever you look at the bottom line, the results of those polls, and it shows that there is almost no difference between the, the world and the professing Christians whenever it comes to the manner in which we behave. You know, the things that we believe might be different. We believe that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. They don't believe that. We believe Jesus, you know, uh, rose again from the grave. They don't believe that. We believe Jesus coming back like he said. They don't believe that. So there's a difference in what we believe, but there's no difference in the way that we behave. And if there's no difference in the way that we behave, I don't have any reason to believe what you believe. Because what we believe ought to affect the manner in which we behave. And we need to depart from everything that God disallows. But, but then there's something else. We need to disengage from anything that would distract us. Look at verse number 4. He says, no man that warreth. Now he's going back talking about the Christian being a soldier. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, whenever you think about a soldier, you're talking about especially in that day, you know, they, they had no standing army most of the time unless they were at war and everybody, every fit male of every tribe had to be ready, you know, at a moment's notice And when the trumpet sounded, they were to drop everything they were doing and go out and engage the enemy. And that's why he says here that we're not to become entangled, as it were, with the things of this world, the affairs of this life. Now, we just got through speaking about things that God disallows. Those are things that are clearly sin, things that are clearly wrong, acts of disobedience toward God. But you know, most of us, most of us, do not fail the most in that area. I look out here on the congregation and I see people that, that, you know, really truly do love the Lord and they're faithful to God. You can depend upon them. They support the Lord's church. They're a good neighbor. They're just wonderful people. But most of us end up wasting our life, not accomplishing our purpose, not because of some particular sin that we fall into, but because we get distracted by things that are not necessarily sinful. That's why I never forgot what my mama told me thousands of times. It feels like good, better, best. Never let them rest till your good is your better and your better is your best. You see, the greatest enemy of the best is not that which is worse. The greatest enemy of the best is the good. And it's so easy for you and I to get all wrapped up and involved in other things in life that it's not that we deny God, it's that we just shroud Him out of our life. We just don't have time. We're holding God at arm's length, as it were. We wouldn't think about denying God. We don't want to hinder God, you know. We wouldn't want to do anything to discredit God. But we just get so tied up in all of these other things. And I could stand here and and just name one thing after another that in and of themselves are not sinful. But do you realize that sinless things can become sinful? 
sinless things become sinful whenever they hinder us from doing what God has commanded us to do. So we have to disengage from those things. Now, just thinking about what I've mentioned so far automatically, automatically the first thought that comes to my mind is, boy, this is going to be tough. Now, this, isn't, this isn't easy. And, and it's not, by the way. And, and the Bible never said the Christian life was supposed to be easy and fun like we've tried to make it. It's hard. Jesus doesn't cost you anything to become a Christian, but it'll cost you everything to be a disciple. That's why Jesus said you're going to be hated and despised. He said they hated me, they're going to hate you. He said the foxes have holes and the birds of the air, they have nests, but you might not have any of those things. In other words, he wanted them to understand that it was going to be difficult. Whenever you think about the responsibilities put upon us as Christians, love your enemy, forgive those that hurt you, do good and pray for them. Are you kidding me? That's the opposite of what our flesh wants to do. And sometimes people hurt us to such a great extent that that it's absolutely impossible for you and I on our own to be able to forgive them. I want to tell you what, somebody hurts one of your kids, I'm talking about really hurts them, violates your daughter or something like that, and then you to even think about forgiving that person is just beyond anything that you and I could do on our own. And that's why this next thing is so important. We have to depend upon what God can do. Look at the very first verse of this chapter. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong, notice, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We are called to live a miracle. The Christian life is so far beyond what you and I are able to live that there's no way we can succeed without God's help. In fact, Jesus said, without me, he said, you can't do anything, John 15, 5. You can't do anything. You see, the enemy is too strong. The trials are too great. The duties are too difficult. The flesh is too weak for you and I to ever possibly succeed. And the only way any of us can be successful in life is to depend not on what we do for God, but to depend upon what God does for us. You see, there's not one minute, not one second of every day that you don't need God's help. We all need to live with that spirit of dependency upon the Lord. That we're going to fail, but He never does. Thank God for that. And so we need to depend upon what God can do. That's where faith comes in, right? We've got to have faith in what God can do. Well, where does faith come from? By hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. Well, what do you know? There we are, right back where we started, rightly dividing the Word of truth. 
And I'm telling you, folks, whenever we neglect the Word of God, we are destined to fail without any doubt whatsoever. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I don't know about you, but I not only enjoy eating, I need to eat. So do you. You can't live without it. And neither can you survive spiritually without a regular diet of the Word of God. Now, for those that are here today that have never been saved, I've got one more bit of advice. And this is for you. And that is you need to deliver yourself from the devil. You say, well, I'm not a Christian, but I'm sure not in bondage to the devil. Well, look at verse 26. And Paul says to Timothy... He's been talking about his ministry now and what he's to do as a minister. He says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And I know you people have heard this. You thought, oh, here he goes again. He's right back on that verse. He just, he just won't leave it alone. It just keeps coming back to that verse over and over again. And you're exactly right. I do because people still do not understand the fact that they are not safe without Christ as their Savior. They're living their life in bondage. They may be in a church pew instead of a bar stool, but listen, it doesn't make any difference. It makes no difference whether you go to hell as a religious person or somebody that's just an outright drunk that denies God. What difference does it make? The devil wins either way. And, and, and he says, notice, speaking about those that are unsaved, they're taken captive by the devil who always has ill intent, never has your best interest at heart. Taken captive by him at his will, whenever and however he pleases. And if you're sitting here and you think, boy, I'm not a Christian, but I, it could never happen to me. It's already happened to you. You're already in bondage. And the only thing that's going to help you is to be delivered from bondage. And that gets back to what? And you shall know the truth. Remember, rightly dividing the word of truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can be delivered from the bondage of our sin. You see, that's the, that is absolutely the only hope that you have this morning. The, the baptistry is not going to get you to heaven. Joining the church is not going to get you to heaven. The only way you can be saved is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and your simple childlike faith in what He did for you. Nothing else will suffice. The Bible says there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. I'm, that's it. No other way. If I haven't done anything else this morning, I hope that whenever you leave here, that you'll leave understanding that there is no reason for you to be confused about absolutely anything of great importance, because the answer is right here in my hand. Jesus is the answer. If you're not saved, 
Why don't you trust Him today as your Lord and your Savior? If you're here today and you've been saved maybe for a number of years, but you've been neglecting your responsibilities, you've become busy with the things of the world to the extent that your hands are tied, that you don't have time to serve God because you're out here involved in all of these other things. Whatever it is today... You need, now remember, he said, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that what? That needeth not to be ashamed. The Bible speaks about the judgment seat of Christ. That is for Christians. That's when we're going to stand there and our works are going to be recognized and we're going to be rewarded as a result of it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ashamed in that day. As I said last week, I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Everything you need is right here in this blessed book that I hold in my hand. That's the resource God has given us. Don't waste it. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you this morning for all that you've done through Christ. How we thank you for your word, and for the fact that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our helper. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you might impress upon each and every one of us the great importance, the urgency, and the great need that we have to dig into your word, that it might literally change our lives. And Heavenly Father, for that man or woman or some boy or girl may be here today that's never been saved, that person that is yet in bondage and with condemnation written on the door face of their soul, I pray this morning that they'll see their need and that they'll believe the answer that you've given in the person of Christ and they'll trust Him as their Lord and Savior. For we pray in His name. Amen. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. Do you? And he said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. If you don't know who you believe, you need to settle that this morning while we sing together.